0: Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer podcast. As Chris has just pointed out, we are now making the dreams of all our listeners come true because it's only been a fortnight since the last time we did this, rather than the four to five months between podcasts has been in the past, or the at the very best monthly
1: that we've ever managed before. So, well done, us. Yeah, indeed. Well, I think the proof in this is when we do it again next yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's try and do them more often. That'd be good. Say your name. say
0: your names
1: (laughs) I refuse
2: Graham (laughs) that's Chris Thurston (laughs) and that is Uh, and the person talking now is Tom Francis hello I was going to say that
0: (laughs) (laughs) fine we really got to stop practicing these things Okay, this time we're still going to do the Steam Charts, but we're not going to start that way, and we're going to find a way to do the Steam Charts much more quickly when we do get around to it, because maybe it takes us a long time, and maybe it's not that interesting. Please give us feedback.
2: Maybe the dreams of our listeners were for us to do it fortnightly and not change the format (laughs) anyway. Tell us what your dreams are. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Please
0: add your dreams to the comments. We don't know what we're doing. Please, God, help us.
1: The only thing I think is really interesting about the Steam Charts... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not talking about that yet we're going okay. to talk about the portal 2 editor and workshop okay. which just launched also, so that's nice and
2: timely that's in the steam so. <laughs> it is totally in the steam twice
0: Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have both tried it out Chris you've done a video with it Tom you've been playing things people have been making
1: mm-hmm. Chris what do you think I think it's really an excellent tool first and foremost I mean you can a lot of people have been making portal levels already using hammer uh, so sort of actual level editor for the source engine but um, the tool itself that they've created is really easy to use, really straightforward, kind of block-based, in a way that um, block and logic-based, and things that are block and logic-based tend to do well. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it was very easy to kind of get the. I I recorded the the video we put up. Um, you know, that genuinely was my first time using that tool, and recording a commentary and, and trying to use a tool at the same time is interesting, which you kind of get from the, mm-hmm. the kind of general level of competence I displayed. But um, the point was I was kind of able to figure it out pretty intuitively just as, as I went without really needing to kind of sit back at any point and really ask myself what I was doing. Some <laughs> might argue that <laughs> the, the level that we eventually should have set out back and yourself would have been better mm-hmm. had I, yeah, I had a moment's introspection. But I <laughs> and, that's the, and that's the point, really. Is I could just plow on until my bad idea never caught up with me. <laughs> See, I used to do
0: level editing for Half-Life 1 and I've done stuff for Half-Life 2 and I learned how to use Valve Hammer Editor or WorldCraft is what it was originally called and spending hundreds and hundreds of hours learning the arcane rules of building 3D worlds and avoiding leaks and learning about rad and how you edit the lights.rad so that your textures emit light because that's better than point lights because point <laughs> light entities in the Quake engine which is what Half-Life engine was based on looks really ugly and so, on and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. And I kind of resent <laughs> the <laughs> easiness in my day. <laughs> I was yeah, wondering if it's going to end mm. with either get off my lawn or kids these days. <laughs> yeah, kids these days, you know, I just spent hundreds of hours and read the Valve Editing Resource Center. And now, now you've got what? Does GLaDOS comment on things? Does she make jokes as you do stuff? Cave or Johnson
2: or? comments when you start levels. There's like an intro to the Level Editor. The Level Editor has an intro, which is <laughs> yeah. awesome, uh, which is the trailer they released before with um JK Simmons. Um, uh, talking about cutting corners and the plan to uh, trick interdimensional beings into making more <laughs> test chambers for them by feeding them blueprints, and you're making the blueprints. And uh, there's kind of, I don't know if it's a story exactly, but there's certainly like a sequence of jokes that work in a certain order, and each time you play a new map, Cave Johnson uh, kind of progresses the, hmm. that sequence, and it's really funny. Um, and it, there's, that's really weird. <laughs> the, the, this is a unique combination of incredible professionalism and polish with the wilds of user-made content Hmm. in that you know the stuff you're playing was just knocked up by somebody um in their bedroom um without any of the vowel testing process and stuff so the stuff you're playing is sometimes quite rough and ready even the good maps you'll sometimes find a way to you know um not glitch through but just find hey i can put a portal there and doesn't that let me skip these five puzzle elements you put in (laughs) and uh yes it does yes it um but while you're doing that J.K. Simmons, you know, an A-list actor, (laughs) is uh, reading out this ridiculous monologue about uh, the cloud god that rules this world. (laughs) And it's like, am I playing, like, the best-made mod ever or, like, a normal uh, user level? Um, And it's awesome. Uh, The other, obviously, the other um, place that those two things uh, clash is when you're making levels yourself, which is in this editor that looks exactly like those beautiful infographics they did for and Aperture Science kind of infomercials um, to explain the Portal concept in the first place. And uh, I'd love to know whether that, looking at those, inspired them to do this special editor. Because, you know, like you say, there was already an editor for Portal 2. You can already make Portal 2 maps. You know, people weren't waiting for that. Um, But they obviously uh, correctly um, decided that if the editor was like 3,000% easier to use, (laughs) then you'd get a completely different community and a really, really active one. And combining that with Steam Workshop obviously is um, the the an even bigger win because you literally just as you're browsing maps you see them in the infographic view so you get a really good overview of what the kind of what the level involves whether it's a huge drop and whether it's got bridges and whether it's got turrets in it and that kind of stuff and then you just click a button to say subscribe and it's in your game next time you play it yeah and uh, it's a proper like everything that it does is by degrees so. You could already make Portal 2 maps, you could already share Portal 2 maps, you could already rate them on third-party sites, you could already send them to your friends, you could already um, build a collection, if you like, on your blog. You could could have <laughs> found seven different Portal maps and put them all in there. Uh, but each of those things has been made so, so much easier that now just, if you care about Portal 2 at all, you should have, at the very least be playing these maps because you can find the best ones that have been made just by saying, sort by highest rating. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything on that page is brilliant. I've played it all, it's all brilliant um and you can make one yourself because that editor is fucking incredible. Mm. It's just this like you see the room you're making from a it's almost like an isometric perspective and you can rotate it freely obviously and any walls that are between you and the far wall vanish so that you can always you always get a cutaway. Um and then to make to change it from the basic square room you start with, you just draw on the walls basically. So you just if you want a corridor, you draw like a 4 square um, shape on the wall and then just push it in so it's, it's like you're kind of it's like the whole room is made of sliding blocks and you can mm. kind of just select someone push them away or pull them in to kind of make columns and uh, just that is incredibly fun <laughs> like <laughs> if that was a game <laughs> I <laughs> would play that um, and it kind of is actually Cube is a bit like that hmm. um, and yeah they just made an editor that's so so polished and so beautiful and so kind of playful and fun that it's um, that creating something is as fun as playing a game does things like you can, uh, once you've made your like the shapes of the rooms you want, you drag objects in like switches and boxes and paint and stuff, and all that's beautifully done. So if you want there to be a box, you place a box in the level, and if you're doing that in Hammer, then okay, you've made a box, and that's pre-made for you and so that's quite easy but then when you play the level if the user destroys the box they've got no box (laughs) 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 so then you're like okay well we need a box dispenser so then we're going to get the box dispenser and that's like a prefab that you've got to copy and paste from existing portal maps it's an incredibly complex object made up of all these different brushes that intersect and in this you just place a box and when you place it the dispenser automatically appears above it and (laughs) then you can right click on the dispenser and say actually I don't want a dispenser or actually I want you to only generate a box when you're activated and uh, that's all in just a really nice little menu and then in, if you want it to be like connected to a switch, then you place a switch and just right click on either one of them and say connect to, and then click on the thing you want it connected to. And a line is actually drawn both in the editor and in the final map, there'll be a dotted line from <laughs> one to the other. So Flair. not only do you understand what's connected, but also the player can see that, oh, that, that switch must be what activates that. So it does usability for you.
1: Yeah. Although I think and not being able
2: to move those lines that connect
1: things in the map is one of the few things I would wish they would do. Right, able to dictate the path of them yourself, because sometimes it'll put them in the weirdest places. There's right. like no way you'd ever notice to look around that wall and up across the ceiling. When you make that connection, though, a little yeah. love heart appears. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the best <laughs> one is, Yay, if these you things move are connected. That something else is relying on it gets really cross <laughs> <laughs> like you get a little speech bubble full of like swearing shortcuts <laughs> <laughs> um, like, uh, as you pissed off a door my fucking geometry is missing <laughs> yeah. there's,
0: there's something really brilliant about the fact that they've got the community now working for Aperture Science
1: des- designing yeah, yeah. It, like, the metaphor so works, is yeah. hard to miss isn't it <laughs> it
0: works perfectly within the portal Two universe
2: it's brilliant yeah also kind of the you know, occasionally Valve is Aperture and Aperture is Valve mm-hmm. sort of joke they do the combination of a huge audience, a really easy to use editor, and a really simple rating system so that not only is it easy to rate things in the workshop, but actually when you play these maps, it asks you at the end of it, please rate it. Um, and J.K. Simmons himself tells you if you don't rate this, <laughs> then we're all wasting our time. <laughs> and it's also just a thumbs up or a thumbs down as well. Yeah. It's not like, you know, mm. they there
1: thinking it's is four or five stars or anything, and then it generates that based on the amount of...
2: So all that stuff combines to mm. make this kind of stream of content that is beautifully self-organizing to give you this... You know, a a series of just brilliant portal levels. The first one I played was... I just tried playing the top-rated one, which was, I think, a map called Gate by a guy called Mevious. And uh, it was just superb. It was one of the best portal puzzles I've ever played. (laughs) played It (laughs) took me about 15 minutes to solve, and it's quite a small room. Uh, The other thing that's nice about it is that because... I don't know if this is a function of the editor or just the, the style that people have come up with themselves, but most puzzles are just one chamber. Like, if you have a puzzle idea, you make that puzzle and then you release it. You don't make a huge map with 20 different mm. puzzles in it. And that works really well for a user-made thing, because you want to know that, OK, what I'm seeing here are all the elements of the puzzle, and you know everything I need to solve it is here. I kind of wish, because like, Valve
0: have experimented with level editing stuff before when they released Alien Swarm there was a kind of level editor with that where you had like a top-down view and you just connected different parts of rooms and corridors and stuff like that. And then the AI director would flood that with enemies. And that was really easy to do. Or you could use Valve Hammer Editor to build your own room and then port that in and connect it like a jigsaw. But it was still slightly fiddly to use. And then it obviously didn't have the kind of visual, the visual polish, J.K. Simmons, or the (laughs) the Steam collection, sharing, easy stuff that they've got now. And I kind of wish that it had, because Alien Swarm was a cool but short-lived thing that kind of mm. died, and no one seemed to make maps for
2: it. Yeah, it was a, we all really, really enjoyed it. We played it through you know, a whole bunch of times, mm-hmm. but after a while, playing the same levels wasn't that exciting, and yeah. new levels would have helped it. I think. I think people's massive enthusiasm for
1: Portal helps in this case. I yeah, think, definitely. Even if it's at least the best editor in the world, I think it stands up there with actually some of the best editors people have done for games, you still need that fact that it's Portal, mm-hmm. and that helps, and, and both in the fact that the mechanics are, are pretty... So everyone understands. It lends itself, you know, on, to yeah. this kind but of. But it wouldn't.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, Portal is the levels themselves are kind of already block based, and you yeah. know, the whole concept of the aperture chest chamber involves these big tiles and everything being very rigidly defined. But I still think look, there will be other source games where you can just carry this this editor across. Like mm. I don't want this to be the only time we get this really beautiful, um, you know, removed perspective thing with this cutaway view and the simple drag and drop you know placement of objects and the way you connect things up Mm -hmm. i'd love to be able to do that in a half-life level
0: (laughs) yeah that would be amazing like it it obviously limits you in certain ways and that works in the portal universe that maybe wouldn't in half-life but i think there would still be enough that you could do that it would be
1: worth it yeah to have
0: to have that as an option
1: i'm really interested to see what happens as it matures particularly as the workshop matures because i think unlike the skyrim workshop and even unlike the tf2 workshop there's only one category of thing people are making there is, you know, people are making yeah. test chambers, and that is it. So there is no, um, in terms of like finding new stuff or f- new stuff to really stand out. I think it's been quite difficult for any puzzle in the kind of sea of puzzles. And there's twelve thousand items on there already. Been mm. like a day and a bit, like to kind of you can't look at it at a glance and go, oh, I can see why that's awesome straight away. Whereas with something like Skyrim, you can go, you've made tower defense, okay, like, and then you know, so mm. you it. it's like big things that are exciting to look at immediately, right
2: at the top really, really quickly because you don't even have to download them to kind of get what yeah yeah there's something interesting going on with the ratings because if you the default page on the portal 2 Skyrim workshop is most popular uh, this week i think mm. and it's all of the maps i already knew and have played from the most rated section and that they're all part of a series and it's well known and then the top one was something that had no ratings <laughs> and i'd never heard of and never appeared there again it doesn't appear in the best rated stuff and i wonder if they're some if they're just randomly kind of Placing, you know, yeah. the very latest map gets uh, some time in the top spot just to make sure everything gets some exposure. Okay, oh, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think they'd have to do something like
1: that because within those systems and even the different ways of sorting it, there doesn't seem to be any way to stop the most popular maps remaining the most popular maps of a given day, week, or month forever. Yeah. Like, until the new people stop coming into the system and stop trying out all that stuff. Like, those, those like, um, 12, I think, Mevious maps, which came from the beta directly, are going to sit there at the top forever because they were the best, earliest, Yeah,
2: you know, it's the, the Reddit problem, really, isn't it? Mm. And Reddit's got a good algorithm for solving it, but it needs a certain number of people to be looking at the new queue. Yep. To
0: Diablo 3 is coming out either tomorrow or is already out, depending on when we actually post this. We really need <laughs> Greetings, to set
2: time traveller. <laughs> yeah, we need to
0: start coming up with a proper schedule We're for that kind of past. stuff. But it's coming out one, one minute past midnight on... Tuesday morning, which yeah. is
2: the 15th. I really like this because um, usually the things are released US time and with Diablo there, uh, Blizzard are very big on treating each region separately and so it's coming out at midnight in every region hmm. for midnight relative to your time zone. Um, and <laughs> I'm really looking forward to experiencing the pain Americans experience when a game is released in the middle of the night <laughs> and you <laughs> really, really want to play it and you won't be able to stop playing it. Um, yeah, I'm getting seriously excited about this now
1: starting to get excited about it. <laughs> I, I, I haven't played the beta. I'm probably the only person in the office who hasn't actually played it at all, ever. Yeah. Um, and I was up by a big W2 guy, but then I got over it and haven't really gone back. So for me, it's going to be kind of like See if I managed manage to cast the wave of enthusiasm. That might be why the Collector's Edition is on my desk and no one else's <laughs> desk. I'm the one that can uh, resist. resist opening it.
0: <laughs> it should, I should stress that even if it's we like did open rim. it, we wouldn't
1: actually be able to
0: play it at this point because the servers true. aren't up and running. But I know you want to play with the big skull.
1: That's yeah. true, it does have a big skull <laughs> inside. Plug the USB drive into it. You can play Diablo too, it's on that USB drive. Really? Yeah, the USB drive has both previous Diablos on it. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. How much is the Collector's Edition? hundred and something quid I think fair enough um, what classes are you gonna you guys gonna
0: play when the game comes out
2: wizard <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you um, I have I volunteered to play the class no one else wants to play so when everyone else has decided I will decide <laughs> you're gonna fawn in well I genuinely don't have a preference because I haven't played it before so mm,
2: that's true I um I really like the witch doctor but uh, since I'm gonna be reviewing it I want to play the wizard first because a going to be a much more popular choice so it'll be more representative of what most people are gonna Experience and B, it's sort of, it's the class where if it doesn't, if the game isn't fun with the wizard, you've really failed. <laughs> <laughs> the game is bad. So if the go game go isn't generally. good with the wizard, um, so I'm going to play that first. But Witch Doctor will be next, um, and I think I might because I'll probably be mainlining it with the wizard. Um, I might create a separate Witch Doctor that I'll play only with you guys. So if we group mm. up, we can have a kind of balanced team. It's going to be really interesting to see how cart works because. When you and I played, Grand, uh, when the beta first launched, obviously we were like diving straight in there and we had all of PC Gamer yeah. <laughs> with us. And uh, the thing we found was that with more than two people, and even to some extent with two people, everything dies so fast that you have no idea whether you even contributed to a fight. It's just a yeah. like, storm of skills, everything's dead. Storm of skills, everything's dead. <laughs> it's like, am I doing a good job here? Like, and so when you get access to a new skills, it's like, yay, now I can also make everything die instantly. <laughs> But then the beta did at that time also have a pretty serious difficulty problem in that it was just pathetically easy. It was just almost impossible mm. to die. Even the final boss so didn't get me a blower than half health and there was no way to increase the difficulty. And they have at times got better with that. <laughs> the beta changed loads throughout the course of it. Yeah. It's um, not currently running and so the next time we'll get to play it is the final thing. Um, but yeah, there were times when they they introduced new enemies or new mechanics and stuff and suddenly the, it would just kick my ass. The first like mini boss I encountered would kill me three times in a row. <laughs> and uh the last time I played it, it had gone back to being fairly easy. So I'm still a little bit anxious about it. I think the real solution to that is to give people a difficulty slider that they can if they want extra challenge, they can have it. Um because the game already knows how to do that because that's what it does when someone joins your game. It tries to ramp up the difficulty. Yeah. But they um, seem intent on not give,
0: providing difficulty levels for some reason, other yeah. than the nightmare mode yeah, or whatever the, it's called that
2: unlocks when you complete it. I feel like they've fooled themselves into thinking they've got difficulty modes because when you complete the game, you unlock nightmare difficulty. But that's not, that's not a difficulty mode. That's a thing you get after you complete the game. That's an extra you know, <laughs> yeah. new game plus type thing. And uh, they could do a difficulty mode as well, I think. The, as well as the difficulty almost everything about the game has changed radically on an almost weekly basis during the beta. They've, like, their loot system completely changed. They changed what the stats are for characters during the beta. They're just like, oh, now one of these stats doesn't make any sense, or strength shouldn't determine your damage, or, you know, dexterity should do something different, and they just changed all of it, which meant every item they'd ever put in the game and balanced was useless, and they had to redo all of the Mm. loot. Um, And then just recently, well, the last change before the beta closed down was... um, the runestones you found, which were gonna be the kind of the absolute king of loot. The most exciting thing to find would be a gem that you can put into a skill. And every one, every type of gem would change every skill in the game to be completely different, to have a genuinely totally different function. we talked loads about that in the mag. And uh, that was the thing that was getting me really excited about loot. It was, you know, you're gonna find runestones, you're gonna find a thing on the ground that can change the way your skill works completely. And then they made them not loot <laughs> so now you just automatically unlock them at certain levels as you level up they're they're not physical objects at all it's just at level seven you will get the blue runestone for your lightning spell and that will let you do chain lightning and it doesn't sound that exciting does it no it's i mean it that's it for loot now i'm not excited about anything i can find on the ground because all the other stuff <laughs> all the weapons and the armor and stuff just seemed like you know okay this one's incrementally better that one's incrementally better it's such a weird thing, because Diablo, that's what it's famous for, yeah. is collecting loot. That's yeah. the entire genre. And it's <laughs> almost like they've intentionally dismantled it. <laughs> like, they've, they've changed the way, they've changed the kind of bonuses that you find in items, and that's one of the things that's killing it for me, is that I don't, when I find an item, it's just plus 10 to this stat, and I don't know what that stat does, because I don't even have to deal with that as a player anymore, because you don't, you don't put points in your attributes. Hmm. Um, And if you're going to do like a min-max type hardcore build where you're trying to, you've just figured out the dexterity is really good for a demon hunter and you're going to max out your dexterity, then for you, yes, finding a plus three dexterity gloves is better than plus two dexterity gloves. And you can get excited about that, I guess. But in general, the stats I'm finding aren't that cool. Then runestones are no longer in it as loot, so Mm. you'll never find any of those. So that's completely removed from the loot system. And there's a real money auction house. So even if you do find a really rare and cool item, it's not going mean, to be nearly as good as something you can buy for 70 pence in the auction house for real money. So it's just a question of, can you can you really live with yourself spending real money on in-game items? If you can, all the stuff you find is junk. <laughs> <laughs> Which is bizarre. I'm still really excited about the game, but I'm not at all excited about the loot stuff. And loot was, as you say, one of the things that, it was really, really exciting about Davo 1 and 2.
0: This contrasts with Torchlight 2, yeah. which you've just been playing recently because they've launched like a
2: server stress test or something? Yeah, it's a beta as far as I can tell. Mm. I don't know why they're not calling it that. but um, Yeah, I just got playing it last night. And uh, What's the best thing you've found so far? It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really good. I didn't know if it would be... I, I knew how excited I was about Davo 3 and I knew Torchlight 2 would be good because Torchlight 1 was good but I didn't really know how good it would be and it's fucking awesome. (laughs) Uh, Best thing I found is probably, I'm really in love with this, um, oh, actually, no, the thing I just found uh, last, no, this morning, I played at 6am this morning before I came into work, (laughs) um, I found, uh, for my wizard, a thing called a prisoner's sledgehammer and, uh, This is one of the many, many reasons Torchlight 2's loot excites me way more than Diablo. Every class can use every weapon and be good with it. As far as I can tell, there's no disadvantage for a wizard using a two-handed sledgehammer, which is exactly what I'm doing. I'm playing a a mage, and I'm going for the highest damage, slowest, biggest, heaviest weapon, (laughs) because uh, a lot of your skills in Torchlight and in Diablo are based on a percentage of your weapon DPS. So if you you do a fireball, it's like 50% of your normal damage per second with your weapon. So if you're a mage, having a two-handed weapon that has huge DPS, um, makes your fireballs better, even if you never hit anyone with your axe. Um, and so that's the style I'm playing. And I also really like it just as a, as a style, like they kind of want you to use wands. You get some skills that improve your effectiveness with wands, but I always like playing a weird mix of things. (laughs) So I'm a mage who fires fireballs and has the, the biggest hammer in the world and, uh, it's also just really satisfying because you do loads of damage in one hit, so even though you're a flimsy mage, you are killing things in one blow, and it doesn't matter that it's so- that slow because you're not doing it that often. Um, and yeah, this, the Prisoner Sledgehammer that I, f- I found uh, is just a grindstone, you know, that it would use for sharpening metal, just a grindstone on a stick. <laughs> 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 it's just a massive disc of rock that it's a bash people with, and it's absolutely huge. And uh, yeah, in a in half an hour, I'm probably going to find a crossbow that will be awesome, and I'll use that. Or I'll find... You can just, like, have a ship's cannon. <laughs> That's one <laughs> of the weapon types. You can just pick up a ship's cannon and fire that. And uh, that kind of, like, freedom and inclusiveness means that the loot is never boring. I'm always finding something like, oh, how I can use the, these... I can use two fist blades, even though I'm a mage. And uh, it will be useful for my character and completely different to what I was just playing and really cool. They've also... They're really... Big on how you modify your weapons, too. So, the, the Prisoner Sledgehammer has four slots for me to put gems and stuff in it. And then it's also got an enchantment on it. And I can take it to the Enchanter and have him maybe add an enchantment. Um, the Enchanter was in Tolstoy 1 and there was a chance he would add an enchantment to an already magical item. It cost you a lot of money, but it would be awesome because your already cool thing got a new feature. Um, or he might fuck it up and destroy it (laughs) might just wipe all the enchantments on your item so like your favourite favourite thing in the world uh, might just be destroyed and turned into like a normal mundane hammer and uh, this led to the informal moniker the shitty wizard (laughs) on the Idle Thumbs podcast uh, which has been broadly adopted since in Torchlight 2 I think he's a less shitty wizard I don't think he can destroy your item because I took one I found an enchanter just out in the wilds there wasn't one in town um I had this little imp who could enchant stuff for me you know, and just said there's a chance he will add an enchantment. And I paid him 4,000 gold, and he did add an enchantment. But it didn't ever say you might lose your enchantments. Mm. And I figure if you could, they would have to tell yeah. you that. <laughs>
1: like Pleasant Surprise Wizard.
2: <laughs> well, maybe he's the even shittier imp, and he <laughs> does remove your enchantments. He just doesn't warn you he's going to do it.
0: <laughs> so do you end up, because of the loot, do you end up more excited for Torchlight 2
2: than Diablo 3? I think I'm still... Bit more excited for Dabo 3 because the skills are so satisfying to use. Like everything is just so beautifully depicted and uh, feels so kind of crisp and powerful. The wizard's electrocute skill, like just a short arc of lightning that jumps between a few different people and uh, fries them in this really, really satisfying way, is so, so good. And uh, Dabo 3 is much, much more about experimenting. So D- Torchlight 2 is very traditional. It's much like Dabo 2, where you level up, you get skill point, you put that in a skill. And then you've got that skill and you, you can't take it out again. Um, in Torchlight 2, there's there's a thing where you can respec before level 10, but I think after that you just can't. Or There's probably um, an a difficult way to do it or an expensive way to do it. So it's much more the traditional model where you level up, you make decisions, and those decisions stick with your character. The Abro 3 is just, at this level you've got all these skills and you can put, like, at a certain level you've got three slots and then five levels later you've got four slots. However many slots you have, you can put any skills in those slots and customize a build completely. So every time you get a new skill or a new slot, you're trying out new builds and messing around with that stuff. And that works really well. There's a uh, plenty of good arguments for preferring the persistence method and you know having important decisions in RPGs, but the experimenting thing is new and awesome.
1: I was just thinking. <laughs> Is the, the thrill of finding a really good item on the floor in Diablo 3 now more about a bit like finding 70 p down the back of the couch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't find that to be a very big thrill. <laughs> well, I well, I mean, you know, horses for courses, but I mean, it's more about maybe maybe the presence of the... I, you know, we don't know yet, I guess, what the presence of the auction house will be. or well, the impact it will have. But
0: Yeah, it was never in the beta, the real money auction house, but you can kind of, as Tom Does. Predict what the result is going to be of the real money auction house. Yeah,
1: definitely. In terms of I found loot, oh it's rubbish because I could just buy something better. But the kind of the other side of that is I found something really good. Should I sell this and then
2: sort of shipping it off? So my concern, my concern is that I will never find anything that's worth more than a pound <laughs> because there's so many people playing this and so many people want to make money out of it. So the market will just be flooded with awesome stuff. Yeah, and then the, the cost just crashes completely. Yeah. And so
0: I kind of feel like even if I did find something amazing. Yeah. And I could sell it, and it was better than other stuff on the auction house, or most other stuff on the auction house. It would just be that all that stuff being sell- sold for forty pence, and I could make fifty pence. That's what I mean. In yeah. which <laughs> case,
1: it's not actually worth it to me to <laughs> sell that item. I just feel like we just I'll save maybe, it for an alt. you know, just for the experience of playing the game, what it's actually like, and what you're thinking about minute to yeah. minute. Mm. It, it will adds a really extra dimension of cost and value that you don't. Yeah, we
2: can't totally predict it, of course, um, and it will be really interesting to see how it feels but my suspicion is I think game designers have this weird idea that capitalism is fun. (laughs) And capitalism, like, it works to a certain extent. It's it's a self-balancing kind of system Mm. to some To some extent when there's regulations and when it's carefully monitored. But the thing that, what you end up with capitalism is, like, with supply and demand, the price balances out to a point where it's barely worth it for the person selling it and barely worth it for the person buying it and if either of those things goes out of balance then you know new sellers come in or new buyers come in until it is in balance Mm. and valve thought this with the counter-strike weapons market oh we can just use you know capitalism to just use a free market and have whoever whatever people buy the most will charge the most for and whatever people and you know when they stop buying it because it's expensive the price will go down and so it will naturally balance and it ended up with exactly that w- a moment where everything was just barely worth it so if you really, really like an item they'll charge you so much that you don't even feel good about buying it it's like oh, I really want the deagle I love that weapon but it costs seven thousand dollars it's not worth it that for practical reasons I just like it and then you still pay your seven thousand dollars and now you're broken you've got the weapon you wanted but you feel stupid for paying that much money and all the weapons you don't like are really cheap also, oh, the scout sniper rifle is really really cheap great <laughs> and so you're just unhappy in all possible situations it balances out to the point where you're no longer enjoying anything, and of course, it was a disaster, and they abandoned it. So and I can't al- help feel- feeling we've got that with real money for Diablo three. It's almost as
0: if people are unsatisfied in our capitalism. <laughs> yeah, it's almost so as then, as like <laughs> capitalism doesn't create a paradise where everyone's happy; <laughs> it creates a middle ground where everyone's angry. <laughs> See, I can understand how you get to the idea because it. It can be fun sometimes to buy things. <laughs> like, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. you buy things just for the fun of it. Like They don't actually have a tangible benefit. It's not food. You're just buying football stickers for the kind of slight thrill of getting the one <laughs> that you're looking for when you're a little kid. Like that that fun of collecting a
1: thing or buying a toy. But... but I mean- a lot it of kids. It do- doesn't through, work. Maybe maybe some kids had this. I didn't. Where you can't just go into the playground and punch enough kids until you get the football tickets <laughs> you want <laughs> without having to buy them. <laughs> maybe some kids get that. You know, it matter <laughs> like, how big you are as a kid, but like the I to, drop you know, percentage of that kid's very low. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't. You know. There's no. There's no. There's no other way of getting those things except spending the money. And that's why spending <laughs> the money is fun because you're giving yourself access to something you couldn't get otherwise. Whereas if it's just like I'm skipping things. Yeah. Like I'm mm. skipping
2: the game. I'm. I'd like to play, yeah, for money. And of course, you don't have to do it, and I'm planning. Obviously, I'll play around with it and find out what it's like. But for my main character, I'm just never going to touch it. It's going to be a hard rule. I never look at the real money auction house. And in fact, I don't even want to look at the normal auction house. I don't want to. I don't want to buy something way better than what I can find for less money. Particularly because gold is this bizarre, um, again, weird economy choice where all your gold for all characters is is universal. So when you if you played through as a got to like level 50 or whatever the wizard you've got a million gold and you start a level 1 character your level 1 character has a million gold so now all the things that are limited by gold like you know repairs and mm-hmm. everything you buy from the shop everything from the shop is effectively free <laughs> you know the 100 for the yeah. best shoes that the blacksmith will sell at level 1 is completely trivial so gold just doesn't exist as an economy once you've played for a bit <laughs>
1: which is yeah. crazy So like the game I, I guess we just need to see how it shakes down people have that playing it properly and kind of I guess the cost of late game items could balance that maybe. But it feels like the game diminishes in terms of the amount of decisions it asks you to make as it goes.
0: Also it requires an always online internet connection. Yeah. Lol lol. lol, lol. Let's do the steam charts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but we're really excited about that. Because <laughs> yeah. it's incredibly fun to play.
0: Yeah. I've played it a bunch as well and I'm really excited about it. So and I never played Diablo One or two, so Number 10 on the Steam charts is Alan Wake's American Nightmare, which isn't out yet, but was just announced for PC a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Well, maybe a couple of days ago, in fact. Oh, really? Um is It te- it's cost- only costs £10.79. Uh, I guess Alan Wake's all right. Okay. Number nine, is, like... number 9 is Skyrim. We've talked about that enough. Number 8 is Warlock Master of the Arcane, which is the new Paradox game. It's only £15, pounds, and it's like a... Fantasy Civilization tip. Civilizations game set in a fantasy universe. You've played it but i Chris? It, yeah, I have.
1: Um, it's it was really rough around the edges when I previewed it. And this was a month ago now. This was back in December actually that I played it. So I don't want to say that it, you know, we, we hopefully it'll have been patched up quite a bit. It was definitely a bit flaky. There's there's some really cool things. There's um, you you can kind of cast you are an unseen warlock. You are just the kind of the god view of your civilization mm-hmm. um, as you are in Civ. But unlike Civ, you have a you know pretty well-defined role, like who you actually are, rather than it just being like, I'm the invisible guiding hand of this people. You are actually a warlock um, in a tower somewhere. And you can cast sort of spells that kind of substantially affect the game world. So you can heal your units. Um, you can cast earthquakes and volcanic eruptions and, and things like that and meteor strikes on enemy towns which does change the way the Civ model of sort of settling new places and sending out your armies and sort of inching forward turn by turn feels when you can sort of send a scout ship out halfway around the world then hit them with a meteor strike it's a bit like the nuke phase of Civ, but um with wizards and from the start and all that magic stuff is sort of generated by a whole different class of resources a whole different class of buildings so you sort of got a balance it sounds like it could be amazing it sounds there's some really cool ideas in there and, and um I think there's there's so many like sort of good ideas for going out and trying to sort of creep farming and killing monsters in the wild to level up your individual units and then getting these like monster units and dragons and things and that stuff does does seem like it could really be awesome the sort of half a dozen hours I sort of spent with some quite old code felt quite um, restrictive in some ways I like felt like I had fewer interesting choices turn by turn than Civ in that I was sort of doing the next logical thing and then the moments where it was fun was when I did something weird like send a scout ship off and start a war with a civilization I'd never met before for no reason just because I could make fire fall out of the sky mm. and that you know I'm interested to see how they hold that in balance with I guess the sort of the traditional Civ rhythm of, of expansion expansion conflict 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 end game cleanup.
0: Mm. Is it, is it made by one of Paradox's in-game in- in-house studios or is it an external one,
1: <laughs> one
2: of the in-game studios yeah, <laughs> that yeah, generate yeah, yeah, other yeah, smaller yeah, games. <laughs>
1: I actually don't know. I it, I did know but it's it's slipped my mind right now. Okay. Because
0: um, the thing I wonder about mostly is how buggy it is <laughs> and there's and there's and there's been a real problem for around 3 years now <laughs> with pretty much every Paradox game which isn't made by an internal studio Coming out and being super, super buggy. The kind of exceptions to that are things like Crusader King's 2, but that's because it's made by an internal studio.
1: Yeah, I should stress. I mean, I, I talk about the sort of the code not being finished. I mean, it, was it very, that, well, that was unfinished. Code. Yeah, it was very I mean, explicitly like placeholder art everywhere, mm. and like you know, there's was no way it was pretending to be a finished game. So I, you know, I've, I can't really judge the, the quality of what they're releasing.
0: We have a man reviewing it right now, so we'll see what he says in a couple of days. Number seven is this Super Edge Software Pack which includes everything, including Rage, for just £38. Yeah, I think that's on sale at the moment. Which is pretty
2: good, given that... it would be... Sorry, go ahead. That would well, be Doom, Doom 2, Quake. COVID no, 2. I was going to say, that would be because Wolfenstein is 20 years old. Yes,
0: mm. yes it is. And they Don't also... They. Did they make a free browser-based version of Wolfenstein?
2: Uh, yeah, I think I saw Rich playing that.
0: Yeah, and I think the Todd Holland said tweeted to say that the servers were overheating because so <laughs> many people were playing Wolfenstein <laughs> in their browsers. <laughs> the <feet>. Takes a <laughs> lot of instances of, of Wolfenstein to overheat as well, which is really That's cool. Cool. I mean, but given that Rage came out just late last year, wasn't it? When that would have been thirty, thirty-five pounds when it came out, getting that for thirty-eight plus. And then you play Doom, Doom two, two. <laughs> Quake, Quake two, Quake three, Quake four. Doom three. I think some stuff I like returned to
1: Castle Wolf in there as well, I think. I think they've a lot of the kind of derivative games as okay. well. I know that was Rave and Quick4? I think quick Four's in there. I do genuinely a think it's everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of Um Yeah, I, I think with these packs that they it is a good deal and you know rage is okay and Doom Two is excellent and then mm. there's all sorts of like you almost only get your money's worth, but you just look at that list of games and it's really intimidating. Like the part of me that needs to actually experience everything I've spent money for is kind of like, Am I actually gonna play Doom One much? No, <laughs> no. So, even for thirty-five per quid, it seems like, a, a yeah. like There's too much stuff in that in that box of fun things. <laughs> too much stuff, not buying. Yep. <laughs> <Do you want? laughs> number six <laughs> hungry, is, please.
0: ArmA Two Combined Operations, which I assume is of combining Operation Arrowhead and the Private Military Company pack. I think so. And I imagine is in should... the list at number six because of DZ. Indeed, I think that's it, and that's really interesting that a mod can just it's... which we should talk about what that is. We should, yeah. DZ is a <laughs> zombie-themed open-world mod for Arma, where your character is persistent across servers. So your guy, I see him levels up or eats food and survives, and then <laughs> <laughs> reconnects. The fact to that other I food is carried across the server. Yeah, and you reconnect to the other server, and you can continue playing and so what you end up with is a world in which survivors are grouping together and into little gangs and holding up in said cities to fight off the zombie zombie hordes and i think rich said that the average lifespan of a player is four hours and 26 minutes that's <laughs> how long anyone survives before zombies awesome. destroy them that is really really cool <laughs> and i have no idea
1: why no one has just made that game before It sounds. It is the dream zombie game. Mm -hmm. It's the you don't you know the dream zombie game is you're not shooting zombies all the time. When you're shooting zombies, it's horrifying and and a big problem, and and you want to kind of it's the moments between that when you're just surviving. Yeah, it's the really interesting thing that no one ever does. So I I can't wait to play it. Um, and I think it's great that it's pushed Armor into the Steam top ten. A mod by itself, like talk about. Someone should probably hire those guys and get them to make that game. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
0: there's been quite a few zombie mods for, for Armor. And I think maybe we played one of them before in the office. Because the, the great thing about Arma is that you get a level editor where you can set up your starting conditions. So you can do things like have you start on one side of the world, have a bunch of zombies in a city, have a, can a, a helicopter in one place with no fuel in it, and then have like a petrol station with some fuel in it on the other side and give your characters an objective to get to the other side of the city, say and then just play that and, and you work out how you're going to do it whether you're going to go get the fuel and try and get to the helicopter and you get halfway there and your jeep runs out of fuel and you break down in the middle of nowhere in the, in the, in the dark at night with three bullets with groaning in the distance and that kind of thing is brilliant so if it's anything like that but just with more people that would be amazing yeah number five is Sniper Elite V2 which I think we talked about last week yeah um, which isn't particularly great
1: it's um, done very well though Uh, it's shot to the top of the UK charts so
0: did um, Sniper it's how much is it it's £30 Hmm. full priced game um, Sniper Ghost Warrior did really well as well but it didn't review well because it wasn't very good but everyone wants to be a sniper true it's like it's the dream (laughs) it's the dream to shoot people from far away stand very far away from a battle Yes. be the coolest guy. It's an answer to nobody. <laughs> to be the coolest, coldest guy that nobody liked in <laughs> the real wars because they were creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Number four is the Portal Bundle, which is obviously going to be because of the... Yeah. The, oh, thing, so been heavily the thing that well. happened... Yeah, it's only £6.11 six, six pounds and 11 pence, and that's for Portal 1 and Portal 2, which is ridiculous. <laughs> portal 2 came out like a year and a half ago now? year and a bit. A year March. and a bit, okay. And... You can get that and its even better predecessor <laughs> for just over £6. And an infinite amount of levels. This is... This, uh, I'm not even going to go there. Number- <laughs> <laughs> it's too good. We're not going to talk about <laughs> it. Move on. So, PC Gamer <laughs> Magazine <laughs> is £6. <laughs> <'Cause it's, laughs> uh, this, yeah, it's, this, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Number three is Alan Wake which i guess again is going to tie in with american nightmare I think it's I half price at the moment as well. But yeah, it's 11 pounds 50, which is a good deal. Modern Warfare 3 collection 1 is, is Liverpool Mill. Oh, it's it's a map pack for Modern Warfare 3 Modern Warfare 3 and it costs 11 pounds 49, Ugh. which is twice as much as Portal 1 and 2 cost combined. <laughs> More importantly, twice as, as much the, as this game <laughs> and the same as Iron Wake costs. See, when you look at yeah, as you say, when you look at that PC gamer is something that you should definitely buy. I'll tell <laughs> you not to that. buy that. And then uh, Portal Two is at number one for five pounds and nine pence. You should probably just buy the collection, even and, if uh, you don't need Portal One. I imagine you get it. <laughs> the Portal One is a gift copy that you can give to exactly. That's away. with the
1: collection, not with the
2: uh, Portal Two Yeah. Like. yeah. So just paying the extra quid, and definitely. Give it to a friend. <laughs> Make a friend. Portal Two. Um, obviously, it's amazing for the um, incredible three levels that are now coming out for it from now until the end of time <laughs> and it's amazing for the editor which you should use even if you're not into level editing because it's a totally different thing and yeah. really fun to play with and it's amazing for its cop which is I think yeah. way way better than single player and as good as anything in Portal 1 and yeah. it's a good game anyway
1: to be honest in the yeah. grand scheme of things
0: <laughs> it's interesting that you know we did this two weeks ago and more than half the list has changed since then Yeah, way more yeah think- is, it, is it possible that all these games are just selling in the double digits and no one actually buys games on Steam. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) possible. possible. That
2: explains all the evidence we've seen. This this is why why Valve have no money all the time. They're so struggling. Uh, Okay, let's talk about what we've
0: been playing at the moment. Chris, you've been playing some interesting things, although perhaps not good things. Uh,
1: You know... You're referring to the secret world, Graham. I am. Um, I think we have some sort of questions about this, so consider this an answer to that as well. I haven't made, you know, massive disclaimer, only a few hours in, um, some delays and things getting into the game. It's, I, I want to like that setting. I do like that setting. And I, I want the game that supports that setting to then be Then you're getting so everything good. you want. And it's weird. I've got this deja vu for like, I, you know, I grew up with Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Making another Star Wars MMO. I could love again. Let's do yeah. that. Oh, oh, yeah, it's good. Um, fine, you know, but it's an MMO. And then it's like, I love open fantasy, and I want someone to make the never-wear MMO or, you know, an MMO where I can play as pretend John Constantine and walk around being a grumpy <laughs> blue-collar wizard. Like, I I want that game really, really badly. Mm. Um, But it's an MMO. Um, And the more I play it, the more I come to terms with that I <laughs> um, love <laughs> uh, games you have to come to terms the more, yeah. more you it's play Tor it again, more, it's like mo- oh, it's Stockholm Syndrome the more you play it the more you lower your expectations so, <laughs> so well, yeah. that so it. it just well, kind of it I them. Them. The, 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 yeah there's that thing of like I you know I like Ragnar Tornquist I, I want to play his games and I think there's some cool ideas in it I think there are some things where it weirdly drops the ball a little bit I think having a non-voiced main character while probably sensible when you're making an MMO because it's obviously going to cause problems for Tor in the long run that you've got this eight voice actors that you need before you can do anything mm-hmm. yeah um Makes does sort of undermine the story a little bit, and then the animations and things for cutscenes isn't aren't, aren't brilliant. And and but you know I I really like the world they've they've created and the kind of the mismatch of Lovecraft and um, a lot of Stephen King and, and you know a huge amount of um, sort of all that stuff that kind of gets poured into urban fantasy and references everywhere. Is
2: it sixteen voice actors for talk? They've got both genders, have not they? Uh, yeah.
1: Yes, hang on, eight classes. Yes, so it is, of course. Holy yeah. shit. 16, voices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's some expensive content. Indeed, yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's sensible in some ways. And they've done they do some, some clever things. Um, without spoiling anything, there's a sort of dream sequence early on which introduces you to combat because your character's still coming to terms with the fact that they've been plunged into this sort of other side of reality um, where you play as a different character that your character's dreaming they are. And all the other characters are referring to you by a different name and the graphics actually occasionally flicker so you see the person that everyone else thinks you are um, who's this girl called Sarah I and mean, you're actually you whoever you've decided that you are and that, stuff like that is like whoa cool storytelling ideas that kind of play with the need to make an MMO and you need, you need to keep people combat but you don't want the first thing you do after you accidentally eat the magic bee which is how you get magic <laughs> powers um, it's also the most yeah it is the most passive and embarrassing way of like getting magic powers like my dream of suddenly waking up one day with magic powers and living in a cool sexy urban fantasy world where I can wear a trench coat all the time and hang around in bars like that doesn't begin with me accidentally <laughs> eating a magic bee.
0: <laughs> you can wear a trench coat at the moment and hang around at bars. You don't need to be magical at the same time. Like you can no, do that in the original car. It's, like, no, it has
1: to, it's you don't get it, Graham. You don't, it, I, I, I understand like the Constantine like, kind of, like, yeah. the, the, you know, when it be a blonde liver and played by Keanu Reeves. I, I called my first character Con constantine <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, but anyway, so the game itself... There's some there's some cool stuff, The but it's all like MMO combat cool stuff. So your kind of regular attacks build up points on enemies that you can get kind of spend with special attacks to kind of do more damage or like apply um, status effects and things. I haven't got far enough in it to really have grouped properly or kind of got a sense for how that stuff sort fits of together. I played a, together.
2: a bit of the EA showcase um, with a group, um, one of whom was one of the devs and the other two were journalists. And uh, we played a haunted fairground bit where... Um, each of the rides is haunted by a different ghost, and uh, there are crazy carnies around attacking you. And the combat was just a fucking chore. <laughs> it was yeah. really—I mean, admittedly, I was playing with a character that I hadn't developed myself, so I didn't know what all the skills did. But you know, I was trying them all out and trying the combinations I was told were effective. But it was still like every person was this towering health bar that we all had to chip away at eternally by doing all our swirly special effects that don't connect or feel at all physical or fun and then you get to the next ride and you get on like the roller coaster and you go around and some ghosts go in front of you and this is a roller coaster not a haunted house Mm. so and then you just get back to the start and you get off (laughs) that that was that good (laughs) bit of story content let's go to the next bit and then the next bit is a, a ferris wheel where there's a Ghost there, who every time you attack him sends you flying away, like it like, smashes you away with a big bolt of power. And you're as a player, you're supposed to understand that, oh, I can't defeat this person yet, so I should go and do all the other roads, and then that will, you know, progress the story to a point that I can defeat him or something. But I don't think as a player I would have figured that out. I think I would say, oh, I need some friends to defeat this really powerful enemy, and I'll go and I have to go and get them, and then <laughs> we'd try that for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> but yeah. the setting.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are also, like, the other thing that everyone's talking about is the kind of ARG-style puzzles mm-hmm. where there's some solution in the... some answer to a riddle or something, say, in the game that you then have to go to actual Google and Google <laughs> for the answer. Which feels like cheating in some way as a game I already designer. do with adventure games. <laughs> yeah, and this also just seems like, I mean... SEO is going to destroy you there cuz like <laughs> there's been people who have done that before there was a, I can't remember what it's called but there was a murder oh, mystery game that God, came I out know exactly
1: what you mean I know came what you mean out as well like 6
0: 7 years ago and they created a bunch of fake websites about this young woman who had been killed and you were trying to solve her murder. And that was, was great. And it was really atmospheric up until the point where when you started to Google for that person's name, all you did was find GameFAQs guides for <laughs> how to play that game. for the game. Yeah. Was it and
2: Memento Mori?
0: Yes, that was right. it. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs> saved me a lot of agony. Which is a really cool idea, but yeah. like that kind of did it as its central concept and made it work. This just feels like we want to have just puzzles, and then break the fourth wall, and then get destroyed by SEO anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, there there are a few games I think that Secret World could have been like, and could have been combat heavy, and could have worked. Matrix Online being one of them, actually. Mm. In terms of real world to MMOs, I really liked Matrix Online for a lot of the things it did right. Um, setting sort of that was only one big city. I forgot that existed. <laughs> <laughs> of people do. I, a again, insight. I think you know, I think it kind of played to that fantasy really well, and it's a similar fantasy actually. Mm. Yeah, I think MMOs are all about the fantasy. Like yeah, you know, if, if you're not interested in being the person, yeah. you're setting yourself up to be. Why spend two hundred hours, two hundred fifty hours, thousand hours playing mm. that person? Um, and. Where you know, and you know, it takes something like Guild Wars where I don't really want to be any of those people but the mechanic's are cool to kind of like shake me out of I just wanna be a Star Wars man or I just wanna be John Constantine. And Matrix had that as well, but it was set in one city and it was much kind of more social focused and there was sort of other stuff going on and NPCs and civilians and things. Whereas there kind of is that in secret world but it's much more kinda of like little hub connects off to different missions you're doing. And that sort of doesn't feel right for what's should be the urban fantasy thing where 80% of what you encounter is completely mundane and the, there's a twen- sort of special 20% which is exactly what they're setting up and doesn't isn't what it feels like like all the trailers they did the cool CGI trailers they did were just someone getting a milkshake out of the fridge and then being attacked by a hell demon in a mm. completely ordinary environment whereas when you've got literally a theme park haunted by ghosts <laughs> you, that's a left for dead map at that point there's no yeah. like you know that sort mm. of again I, I don't know how do you make that work as an how do you make the sitting in a bar waiting for a uh, the crow monster from the, another dimension <laughs> to burst through the window
0: it always sounded like the kind of thing that Star Wars Galaxies almost did well, where each character went and breaking my heart Graham I know but where each like there were many many jobs and, and characters went got yeah. a job you became a dancer in a bar <laughs> and Mark Sullivan was a carpenter who made <laughs> furniture for people's houses yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, well you, just, you live in tattooing until one day your parents get slaughtered and then adventure calls or maybe it doesn't maybe you just <laughs> adventure you never called for Mark Sullivan <laughs> he kept
2: on making cabinets they moved into architecture eventually that was it <laughs> but I think it's more if you allow
1: people to choose what they find valuable in their experience and do that and rather than saying you kind of have to do this you have to do this you have to do this then people do go off and do the like, and maybe a lot of designers won't accept this people will go off and do the boring thing well that's because at that point the boring thing has value if
0: you let yeah. people choose what has value to them then they imbue that thing with value mm-hmm. and it becomes more valuable to everyone else as well
1: but it's the moment you put prestige on things things fall apart there's a problem with, um, with galaxies. Because the cause galaxies that did have the things that were cooler than everything else, it was killed by Jedi because everyone wanted a Jedi, and the way they implemented that totally broke mm, yeah. the game. Um, before that, there was bounty hunters, which were the hardest profession to get, and they were the only hard, the only profession that had they had their more prereqs than anything else to get bounty hunter. And it led to people doing the most absurd things. Like one of the things you needed to master was scouting. Like you'd be like a master wilderness explorer, scout before you're allowed to be a bounty hunter. Which makes sense from a fictional point of view. But one of the things you did to get scouting XP was go camping. (laughs) The more XP, the more people would sit Sit around your your campfire. So you get people like paying people to sit with them at campfire and you know and you can see the dream the little dream of the game design there is that players will encounter one another in the wilderness and sitting at a camp is a way of like healing wounds and your stats and things mm-hmm. like that so and they'll they'll forge a lifelong friendship in the game through this simple encounter and so why not give him some xp for doing that as well because you want to encourage that stuff what that actually encourages is gaming the living jesus out <laughs> yeah to the point where the entire thing becomes ridiculous and you know and, and the secret world just takes that because okay well if you can't do those systems people will game them so why don't we make a game where people <laughs> do everyone does the same thing like mm. yeah, I don't know Th- what that's why Worm Online is incredible because it
0: doesn't give you XP for teaming up with other people hmm. but you need to eat to survive and it's really hard to get food <laughs> and cook food and get enough nu- nutrition yeah. <laughs> and so and so you end up forming little communities like the PC Gamer Village was everyone helped each other build a house and build, build paths and Keep, you know, make sure that if you cut down a tree you were also planting trees and then they self organised so there was like a little group of people in fact it was Jazz McDougall who used to work on pcgamer.com started a kind of forestry commission and what his job was was that he would gather up seeds and he would go plant new trees the and then and because, because food was hard to get you started the, the PCG Village Soup Kitchen which was just like <laughs> a, just a house filled with free food and stuff that people could go take whenever they needed to and everyone worked together and this formed is the, a little community. This is the game that Notch worked on before Minecraft, right? This is the game that Notch worked on, yeah, which is, has shared certain things in terms of having a kind of open world covered in grass in world, and right? you, can, you can dig through like the terrain is all transformable. But rather than it being tap, 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 block, breaks, it's right click, dig, <laughs> shovel, <laughs> <laughs> and just context sensitive menus on the right click button for absolutely everything and having to do that 20 times to make the ground go down about six inches. (laughs) And that's what I mean when it's incredibly tedious things but they gain value because you're doing it in a
1: world and in a fantasy
0: that you buy into. Mm.
1: I think people have an almost infinite capacity to arrange boring individual things Mm -hmm. in a way that creates meaning and value. Um, And that's why if you prescribe all this stuff and you say that you're going to have this experience you're going to eat the magic bee <laughs> then <laughs> then um, I think can we call the, it that for yeah, I on. think this I might have to have like shorthand phenomenon. for like for like Oh, it's making us eat the magic bee again. yeah a bit like jumping the shark you know or sure. like drinking the kool-aid you've eaten the magic bee <laughs> um, you know like what they're saying about um the World well, of Darkness MMO that uh, CCP are making. Mm-hmm. There's a very few details that I've read out about that is now the thing that's filling that need for me to wear a trench coat and sit in a bar in an MMO. <laughs> it is
0: exactly that kind of game With as well. That, I mean, no. that's the, that's
1: it has to be. I mean, that's the whole point of World of Darkness. Yeah, like it has to be. It has to be more about sitting and talking than it is about fighting a vampire, or, or else the you've wrecked the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, you just. <sighs>
2: kill 10 vampires yeah. <laughs> bring me 10 vampire fangs well, from the things that have leaked out about that or the things really they've
0: talked about yeah, it does sound promising in terms of being set inside
1: a single city well like the uh, fact that it seems like the players will determine when they become undead or immortals yeah. like that's exa- kind of almost I can get why they've done Secret World because they're telling a very specific story which is really cool and interesting but I can't shake that part either. me just wants to play that and enjoy it. I feel like how everyone else feels playing Tor. <laughs> <laughs> a game I still really like. But, um, yeah, anyway. Yeah.
2: Tom, what have you been playing? I <laughs> So for months I've been... I just had this, like, urge to go back to Deus Ex in Revolution. Um, just, like, a few levels in that really stick in my brain the way the original Deus Ex does. Because they're, they're not quite as wide open as Deus Ex's levels, but there's something about, like, a Deus Ex level where you can approach it in loads of different ways that gets your brain to examine the space really carefully and that just lodges it in your memory forever. And so I was just like just going about my daily business and suddenly couldn't stop thinking about Shanghai and DSX Ex Revolution thinking, God, I really want to play Shanghai again. That was great. And uh, then thinking about Singapore as well and like thinking, God, that was awesome. I want to try this approach. And uh, <laughs> I've been ridiculously busy for ages. So it was only like last week that I actually got around to it. So after like five weeks of wanting to play DSX, I finally made some time and did it. And uh, God, it's good. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> really fucking good. I'm almost starting to regret saying that Skyrim was my game of the year last year because it's just like it's not obviously it's not as big as Skyrim and there's loads. It's not as diverse as Skyrim, but it's so satisfying to play and it's such a cool. It's just I love being in a game where it's always night and everything's kind <laughs> of glowing and it's and you can, you can just wear a trench coat and go to a bar <laughs> and it's it's just the feeling of like being in a space and uh, being a badass secret agent. Like you're talking about, you know. Hmm characters you want to be in games i really want to be adam jensen <laughs> just you know a lone uh, secret agent who can do whatever the fuck he likes and uh is you know in, has incredible stealth capabilities and can kill anybody in one punch That's <laughs> yeah. it's just so, yeah. so so much fun i prefer chris's fantasy <laughs> <laughs> but mine's a ridiculous teenage power fantasy <laughs> so is chris yes yeah, but uh yeah i'm uh, i'm doing a stealth non-lethal approach with uh, lots of hacking which is like I've never actually tried before I've always been like kind of non-lethal at first and then kind of just thinking fuck it I'm going to kill all these but ourselves um, and this time I'm being really rigorous about it which is something I often hate doing in other games like I'm often often find people are more stealthy than I am because they are religious about it and if they get caught and they have to restart a level they'll do it like 19 mm-hmm. times to do this perfect run through and I get really frustrated doing that but in Deus Ex I'm really enjoying it because there's uh you've just got... That cover system is so perfect for stealth where you can hug cover in third person and just look over the cover Mm. and know where everyone is. And it's still really difficult. Like, that first level is... I'm still amazed they made it that hard because there are, (laughs) like, three different rooms where there's, like, just five enemies in a wide open area and you've got to get across. And they're really hard to take on in, like, normal fights. Um, And if you wanted a stealth approach, it's just absolutely tough as nails. And uh, playing those... uh, uh, That's kind of what made me give up on stealth usually is just oh i can't do that room of five people and then this time i took the dark gun and just sat there thinking about it (laughs) like two (laughs) minutes just okay every now and then that guy goes around that corner and if he passed out right then (laughs) no one would ever find the body and i could get to that guy without this guy seeing me and then maybe take him down while he's behind that cylinder and then drag him into that vent and then or behind that crate and then creep up on the last two guys and you know i'll just spend like 15 minutes on one room doing it perfectly and ended up doing the first level with getting ghost for every objective, which means no one ever saw me, um, and knocking out every single enemy in the level. <laughs> so at the end of it, every single person was unconscious. Nobody ever found out anyone else was in trouble at any point. Nobody ever saw me. And uh, just supremely satisfied. <laughs> like, at the end of that, I just felt so good.
0: This is like, um, I played Deus Ex human revolution twice when we had the preview build which was like the first 10 hours of the game so basically everything that
2: happens in detroit up to the first boss isn't it yeah you actually do go back to detroit after that but i guess you don't know that
0: (laughs) i didn't know that (laughs) and that's um and the first time i played it through i did a a kind of no kill no violence playthrough and that was really satisfying but i can't bring myself to do that a second time (laughs) but that feels like who i am now in this universe (laughs) <laughs> and that's so why yeah, I haven't yeah. gone back to the game because I don't want to play through the first 10 hours for a third time and do it that way. I've already done it, which is so difficult and time-consuming. But to do it any other way doesn't feel like me. It <laughs> <laughs> feels, feels wrong and somehow. Because the second time I played it through, I did, a, I did the opposite. I did the Genocide playthrough <laughs> where I killed every single person you encounter in Detroit, <laughs> including every single civilian on the streets and stuff like that, <laughs> and all the homeless people and just everyone, just for fun. Even I And all the police that. officers. I've killed everyone on the first level, but not the actual hub, because the hub's quite big. <laughs> <laughs> Clearing out the police station is the hardest, because they've all got oh guns. Oh, God, the police station. <laughs> they've all got guns, and I don't know if they respawn for a certain amount of time or something like that, or if
1: there's just a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did something with Human Revolution that... I always tend to do in these games which is take a kind of middle ground approach (laughs) where you kill the people who are really trying to kill you but you don't kill anyone you don't kill anyone you don't have to but don't really like don't don't be a dick about it like you know if you've got just cars then you you shoot them yeah well or if you know I mean and that's actually I think one of the things when I played it I didn't really notice that the boss fights were as sort of egregious as they actually are because my philosophy of the game was simply this guy's trying to kill me he's got a minigun for an arm yeah fine I'm gonna throw barrels at him like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it never sort of occurred to me that I wouldn't be trying to kill that guy um, until mm-hmm. afterwards which I thought about it so like, actually there was no way for me to do it any other way than the way it had sort of happened to for me
2: actually uh, the thing that pissed me off I was playing a lethal playthrough when I first fought that boss uh, you know I was happily killing people didn't care about that but what pissed me off is I killed him in a cutscene so like I wasn't yeah, even yeah. consulted about this <laughs> yeah. I was still going to kill him but you, know, you already <laughs> shot him really 400 mean. times by the time you then shot him <laughs> yeah. but um yeah Those are, the boss fights are terrible um or they are worthless, as so we'll say, <laughs> and uh, worse than worthless in some in some senses. But if you like, if you don't want to spend hours bashing your head against them, you don't have to. You can just turn the, the difficulty down to easy, mm. and they are easy. I just threw three grenades at this guy, and he dies, He literally never fired a shot. It was over in ten seconds, and I'll do that for all the other bosses. I think there's a problem generally
1: with having a cutscene that immediately follows a boss fight that shows you how the boss fight actually ended. Yeah, <laughs> like th- that. I remember the, a the, the boss fight in, in Humor Ridge towards the end that I beat by. I just threw a mine at a wall, I think, and I hit with one of these canned animations the boss does, where he kind of scales the walls in the arena. Like you'll know who the boss I'm referring to. He, yeah, he's, you know, kind of amazing. He just he, hop, he hops over the partitions between you, and so he just hopped a partition directly into a mine, and then he just <laughs> flashed to a cutscene where i was punching him through a wall. <laughs> I was
2: like, I'm not going to touch that wall. There's a mine on it. My pet hates is in uh, a cutscene. They want you to like fire at an enemy or something, and you're always using this like standard pistol. That mm. in like in Mass Effect, I don't have that pistol. I didn't yeah, take a pistol. I don't gun. have any pistols. <laughs> Where did that come from? What are you doing? My uh, old Republic character can't use blaster
1: pistols, but I have what I refer to as my cutscene gun Because <laughs> 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 like, it cuts in and, and he's pointing a pistol at
2: someone. I, like, I don't I think, have that. I think Kyle Katarn in all the um, Jedi Knight cutscenes would always use the basic blaster pistol. The, yeah. Uh, things because that was like FMVs so there was no way they could put a new weapon in your hand <laughs> I can't understand what they do for animation poses uh, Mass Effect 3 is much
1: better at that actually in that it, um, Mass, Effect, Mass the entire series has a problem with it putting the Avenger assault rifle in Shepard's hands regardless of whether or not Shepard even uses assault rifles yeah. it's always that assault rifle Mass Effect 3 does it sometimes and other times and I wonder if it was some like different teams in Bioware like because my Shepard uses a sniper rifle and he would always have a sniper rifle out for some missions and then another's it would be yeah.
2: like the the Avenger again. There I think it it, the last time it pissed me off was when um, a space shuttle is getting away from you and in the cutscene, Shepard draws a pistol and fires at it. And I have like a rocket launcher as my special <laughs> weapon. And <I'm> like, Excuse <laughs> me, using a weapon I don't have and it's totally inappropriate. Yeah, I always bring a pistol
1: in RPGs because they'll probably use it <laughs> in the <cut> <laughs> <Yep. laughs> Batman Arkham
0: Asylum was really bad for the boss fight cutscene thing mm. where you'd like fight, I can't remember if it was like Bane or Killer Croc or something like that. You'd fight him, kick his ass, appear to have killed him but clearly you know he's going to get up but Batman doesn't bother to check and then in, in the cutscene that runs after that Batman is surprised because he's not yeah. actually dead beats up Batman for a little bit and then Batman uses the Batman Batmobile yeah, to run that him over kind of
1: awesome, but yeah. so
0: it just really annoyed me Like, so I didn't get the joy of killing this character because yeah. it happened in a cutscene and I acted like a complete Moron by not going over
1: and checking it in that whole series, Arkham City, especially Batman, does some weird things in cutscenes <laughs> <laughs> like weird, very un Batmanly things. Yeah. That I can't spoil, especially in Arkham City, but it's like Bat- Batman,
2: stop it. <laughs> I cross at Batman, which is a weird place. I to watched um, all of the Uncharted games as movies recently, <laughs> this um, where they just piece it together from like, like gameplay but also um, movies you know, the cutscenes, and they'll skip chunks of the combat and stuff. And even watching as a non-player, I was getting pissed off by bits where Nathan, uh, like the player obviously has to just, like do this chase sequence perfectly and then in the cutscene the person gets away. Or the player has to retrieve this map artifact and then in the cutscene someone comes and takes it to him from him at gunpoint. And at every point it was avoidable. At every point, if you were in control at that point, you just, oh, punch that guy. Or just don't give it to him. Or just, you know, <laughs> do this other thing. And every time, everything the player has worked towards is taken away from him by a cutscene. And not even just... They're like, you know, the hand of the designer taking it out of um, stealing the thing that you worked to achieve. But the character you play does it. The character you play is being an idiot, and he's, like, losing the thing that you gain. So now you hate this guy that you have to play. (laughs) It's just, like, absolutely appalling design. I don't know how it's still happening. Why are people doing this? Oh, yeah, that's fine. We can just cut to, you know, this will be our narrative. This will be our engaging thing, where the person you're supposed to be playing is a complete asshole, ruins everything, (laughs) and now you hate (laughs) him. It's a weird... It reminds me of playing games
1: when I was like, Kid and I used to. There's a lot of rubbish games I used to play just to get to the next cutscene. I think there's a lot of old <laughs> adventure games that are uh, pretty rubbish. They kind of fit that mould as well. Where you, you kind of you want to figure out what the computer wants from you because you want to see the next bit of cartoon. Like and, <laughs> but that was the thrill when graphics sucked. When you were looking yeah, at yeah. little eight pixel high sprites. Yeah, exactly. And I mean. oh,
0: I want to see the
1: FMV of this character rendered because yeah, that wing really command cool. like, wow, Yeah, FMV so cool. And I can think of loads. Yeah, Wing Commander is a good example of that actually. Like, other uh, Wing Command was an awesome game as well. So there's, I mean, it's not quite. But like, sort of feeling like. Yeah, I'm gonna grind through this bit because I want control to be taken away from me, and I want to be shown yeah. something I couldn't possibly <laughs> see in this game. Whereas now you've got in-engine cutscenes, and you know, so it's like sometimes the in-engine stuff looks better now than the cutscenes, yeah. Because they well, farm the
2: cutscenes, like the in-engine stuff is just stunning. It's just perfect. Like every mm. every screenshot I took of Mass Effect is this beautiful postcard, yeah. and the cutscenes are rendered in, through some horrible video compression that makes them really low res mm. and glitchy and grey and in shit. The,
1: in, my, in my in the release because you. Have you played it? Uh, those yeah, I played on? it. Okay, I, I didn't notice a huge problem with that. But even like games like
0: I can't remember what the final version was like, but the Ghostbusters game, say, where they farmed out the cutscene production to another company, and it was rendered worse than the actual game was. There's like stuff like the lighting because it was made quite cheaply. So you get a cheap CG farm to do your cutscenes. <laughs> it won't look as good as your rendering engine
1: Well Weird. It's, uh... it's like giving giving players a little bit of control, like quick time events are one thing I think Mass Effect does a decent job of making it feel like pretty much everything Shepard does especially interventions and things like that kind of feels like that that interrupt thing is a really weird mechanic because you're not saying what you want to do you're actually taking a gamble on the game having the same idea as you at that moment where the red thing flashes up and you think well I really do want to kind of well, was a bit in Mass so Effect 3 where I really bad. wanted to punch a character that I was angry at <laughs> but I didn't want Shepard to shoot him yeah. and it's like, you, you take a gamble no, on there's no and like Mass yes it's it was a punch and you're kind of like yes I didn't accidentally shoot someone I'm out of control maybe."
2: that's quite cool though isn't it if you're playing a renegade character if you're going to do the renegade no, action can't. you should be a little bit like, unsure on how, how far you're going to go like, but also like and it's, it's even
1: worse with blue options with you know, Paragon which is much more open I want to hug him but I don't want to screw him and you have that thing it's weirdly distant Thing, you're oh, still it's a kiss. Watching, it's okay. Yeah, you're still watching a character <laughs> do something, um, but you're you're only steering Shepard like in the most kind of broadest possible way. Yeah. Like it's, you know, you're still your character, but it's kind of like I kind of want them to be nice now. I'll press the nice button and see what it, that that dictates. It's more like you're more like you're directing the cutscene than you are playing the character. at that point. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, it's
2: it's a weird. I like those costume, though because right? I mean, for me, those aren't comparable to like Quick Time events because. Uh, bioware have accounted for the possibility that i might not do it and the possibility that i might do it <laughs> and yeah. so either way the game continues <laughs> yeah it's when they just end the game because they don't know what to do in response to my action. i mean I it's know. a way of you know reducing all of your possible options in a given
1: scenario down to a few things like do thing or not to do thing as opposed to shoot man walk away turn around open the inventory yeah. all the other things you could do at the moment but yeah cut of scenes
2: Yep, so that's Day text for you. <laughs> what have you been playing, Graham? Uh,
0: I, don't, I haven't really had time to play games no. for in the last month other than occasional games of FIFA in The Office against Rich because it's the kind of perennial thing I am, I'm always playing at the moment. Um, is it really obnoxious when Rich and I play FIFA in The Office? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's <that's> pretty obnoxious. <laughs> because we get loud and shouty and
1: swery at each other? I, well, I mean... Rich used to sit next to me we've moved, moved around a little bit and I I, I genuinely learned to block it out <laughs> like, despite the fact that it was happening you you know the back of your chair would normally be you know up against the back of my chair because it's not a huge amount of space and like mm. um, I genuinely stopped like I would look over occasionally to see if anything funny had happened but most of the time like I wouldn't like know how your game was going. I, You know, I just sat there and kind of... So obnoxious that you've started to psychologically... Um, and that, but now that it's <laughs> happening somewhere in the
2: other side, the opposite, I don't even notice it's happening. Like, I, I don't, I don't begrudge you the, uh, the extremely loud whooping and insults <laughs> because we do exactly the same thing when we're playing Cobalt. <laughs> yeah. Like, and... and when you're not doing it and because nothing particularly interesting is happening in the game it seems absurd that you would suddenly shout at this game or you know uh, swear at Owen the nicest man in the world <laughs> and then when Owen kills you in a particular way you fucking <laughs> I did I was quite relieved the other day
0: when you guys were playing Cobalt at the same time because you were a than, <laughs> yeah. than I were, and I was like oh. that was a particularly tense game just think, I feel like FIFA 12 I, lo- I, I lo- I haven't played... Before this, I hadn't really got into a football game in about six years, and I've long ago lost interest in actual football. But playing FIFA 12 has got me right back into it again. And I feel like it makes me a bad person <laughs> when I'm playing it. Like, th- to start off with, there was all the shame of <laughs> of no longer being a geek and everyone in the office making fun of us for being jocks, <laughs> basically, because <laughs> this is the opposite of every other office in the world. But then after that, it's just you get so frustrated and angry when playing it and just swear and and bitch and whine and you get (laughs) you get cross at the the referee who is programmed to be perfect he doesn't make mistakes (laughs) and you you get so frustrated like why why are you doing that that's
2: no, it's just like what? it brings out the worst in human beings <laughs> is what I feel. I don't uh, think any less of you for the uh, shouting during game, but there's a special period after you and Rich finish playing where you will try and each try and rationalize your performance. <laughs> so Rich will be like, well, I won three games, okay, but I was going to win the next seven games. <laughs> I
1: remember when I joined PC Gamer, one of the and, you know the first few evenings I was there after work, and people were playing games after work. You actually apologized to me. <laughs> you were like, "I'm sorry, it's not normally like this. I'm not a jock. <laughs> we're not jocks. It's okay." Yeah, yeah. It was, you were
0: new, and like up until that point. we been playing nothing but Supreme Commander is, One for like a year and a half, and then it was like <laughs> we swore a lot during that, to be fair. <laughs> but now we play football. This is games. coming after. This a, doesn't have any e- economy management in it.
2: For many years, um, it was Xbox World. Next to us in the office, playing Pez, was it Pez? Yeah, it was Pez at that um, time, and then um, FIFA after that, making pretty much exactly the same noises that we now make.: um. <laughs> they, were, they were louder and worse. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> oh, maybe.: <laughs> But uh, yeah, we were always like playing our really intelligent, uh, you know, emergent advanced <laughs> games, <laughs> <laughs> thinking, a little console rabble shouting at their foot-to-ball game see
0: like but now <laughs> the thing is like they used to get angry at the ref and they would shout peno 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 because <laughs> they wanted a penalty and, like, and, like and, infants and, like peno <laughs> and, and we started Please we, don't listen to this Xbox world <laughs> uh, yeah. Rich, Rich and I started doing that kind of ironically so you would get fouled in the, mid, in the middle of the pitch miles oh, away from the box like yeah you get fouled in the middle of the pitch miles away from the box and you go penalty or the ball goes out of play or you miss a shot and you shout penalty because it's, oh, it's ironic but then yeah, at a certain point you just realise <laughs> Hang on, we
1: sound exactly like the people who are doing this <laughs> Maybe on they were being ironic. <laughs> oh, uh, you blend, okay. um, you know, contrition and modesty through the medium of FIFA. That is the lesson of the story. Let's do
0: questions from Twitter. We are renegades... See, like when we used to do questions from Twitter, there would always be that awkward pause of like thirty seconds, where Tim would have to get out yeah, his iPhone and, and load the thing, and, and it awkward. felt like you would, you know, you were you were building. Up, like there was an intro. We don't we don't do <laughs> things Sexies or anything, changed. but there was an intro to the podcast. Now I've just got a bit of paper. It feels like underwhelming. I'm sorry. Right, <laughs> sorry change. for being efficient. <laughs> Just, okay. We are Renicades asks, have you, ever wondered, well, this, have you ever wondered what it would be like if you were married to an inanimate object,
1: say a washing machine or a toaster oven?
2: Yeah, not really seeing the relevance of that one.
1: <laughs> it, was, it, it was a question we were asked I put it at the <laughs> top of the list because I knew you wouldn't get time to skip
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> so you must want to answer Smart it.
1: Smart move. What's your answer? Then? Uh, no, I, do, I have, do, I, do I think it'd be weird? I forgot the natural question have you ever wondered what it would be like if you were married to an oh, animal no. object the answer the <laughs> simple answer is no um, say a washing machine or a toaster I No not that I mean it machine. depends on you know really how you define marriage like to, if I was going to have to like leave all my money to my toaster when I died like that'd be that'd be weird I, would I, don't, I don't think toasters can receive money I mean mm. or, Keep or indeed you can have money in the top
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Adam Dawes asks if you had to live the rest of your life as a game NPC
2: which would you choose and why <laughs> uh, um Wirt, the pig leg boy from Diablo 1 because <laughs> he always fascinated me somehow he's this little guy who sits under a tree across a river miles away from all the rest of the other townsfolk and you go near him and he says psst, over here and then he'll offer you just one item and it'll be completely randomised and it'll always be overpriced And he won't tell you what it is unless you pay him. So you have to pay him like 50 gold just to find out what he has. And most of the time it's shit. And he's charging a ridiculous price for it as well as the gold you've already paid him to find it out. So you hate him. But then every now and then it's something incredible. I think they just took off the level cap or something. You could just find like the best axe in the game from that guy. And it would still be really, really expensive. But if he had it, you're like, oh shit, i gotta get that and I always wondered how does he get that stuff <laughs> where is he getting his merchandise and does he not know what's good and what's bad or is he like playing some kind of meta game? that guy has an interesting life so what is it about him that makes you want to be him I, I just think there are Hang secrets on. there that I'd like to find out okay, being him. I don't really want to lose my leg yeah. and he does of course eventually die in that you find his leg Everyone in Diablo 2 oh, ok
0: <laughs> I want to be I can't remember his name now but I want to be Adam Jensen's boss in DSX okay. David Sasha. yeah <laughs> I haven't played past the first 10 hours, <laughs> so he may turn out to A, die, no, B, be horribly evil. <laughs> and certainly the first 10 hours imply that he's probably evil. But I just really like his office. He's got, like, <laughs> he's like got the coolest office. office in the world. It's just really kind of futuristic, but sort of retro and noir. And I, can, I want to just hang out in that room and drink whiskey and be rich and powerful. <laughs> <laughs> and have no idea what might befall me later on in
1: Ghosts and proxy soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would not say that line if it were me. <sighs> then we don't know, because it's that tough thing between picking a character that you like. Mm. You know, I'll be Garrus from Aspect Effect or whatever, because i I want to hang around and just be the cool the one everyone likes in that <laughs> series. Um versus actually picking like an NPC, like just a, a regular. I'd quite like to be maybe like an abilities trainer in an MMO. Like you basically <laughs> hold everyone to ransom. Like, you are, you are actually, like, incapable unless you pay me this money so I can tell you how, what the things you know how to do.
0: <laughs> that's really weird. I'd also quite like to be one of the characters in Grand Fandango just because that's a cool world to hang around in. It would be fun to live in that world. Yeah. But there you go. Bogulez asks, are you looking forward to 0x10c?
2: This is Minecraft, that's uh, Notches
0: next game it's a space game where it's like Firefly the game you're not a ship in space you're the man on the ship in space so you've got different consoles and stuff that can catch fire and every, <laughs> so there are multiple things that catch yeah, fire really you can put, Any, anything you, can put out, you, you have to run out and put out the fires
2: or your ship will and it sounds like it's, um, it's kind of lo-fi sci-fi in that like you've only got a certain amount of power and if you want to power up your cloak drive, you might have to turn off the lights because you just have that little energy to spare. This is, this is like the the kind of... I really hate
0: lore and backstory and stuff like that, but for this game, it's actually pretty cool. And yeah. it like, It's very spe- short, which is good. Yeah, space <laughs> travel the space race didn't end and so more and more spaceships got launched
2: and one was put into like a deep freeze but there was a rounding error or something like that. Yeah, in the, in the 70s and the the way that the value for how long they should be frozen was stored, was the, the digit was stored incorrectly so that it ended up being many, many <laughs> orders of magnitude larger than it should have been. Yeah, so they were, they were kept in frozen for billions
0: or trillions of years and now they've woken up again and the universe is on the verge of dying because it's so old <laughs> but they've still got really old computer technology. Yeah, the cycle
2: from the 70s wasn't it?
0: Yeah, so the, so Notch has written his own fake operating system which he's released the spec for and people are now emulating and writing programs for and those are the machines that will power your ship and you'll be able to program them and do stuff with them in the game. Sounds really cool. I'm really looking I, forward to it.
2: I think the name is the stupidest stupidest thing in the world. Yeah, I agree on the name. Um, I'm also looking forward to it. I wish that he had, and the plot is is great and that little like that gives you a sense of what it's going to be like, and that's really cool. But um, the first thing he did was to make the, the program a virtual computer, like a virtual piece of hardware, and then program the like invent the language that you would write programs on it in, uh, without any of the rest of the game being you know made, <laughs> without any sense of like what you'd be doing and what like, what you'd even need the commu- computer for, and why you'd want to make programs on it, and mm-hmm. you know what the context of that would be. And I think. Uh, it, would have been wiser to start with some of the broader gameplay elements and get it work get the like the basic systems in place so that uh you know what the concerns for surviving are and you know what you're trying Mm. to do and what the the limits on your abilities are and that kind of thing and that's the stuff i still i really want to hear what that is going to be before i get excited about it because right now i mean the programming thing doesn't interest me at all i'm never going to do that Mm. um and i'm sure people will make amazing things in it i'm sure someone will make minecraft on that (laughs) (laughs) on that spectrum type computer um but that doesn't particularly excite me either, uh, and I like space, and I really like I, I like the lofi vibe as well. But I want to know what am I doing? <laughs> How do yeah. I do it?
1: It's interesting. It seems really setting up for uh, you know I think the, the thing that Minecraft has, where pretty much all the coolest, most advanced things you're never going to do. Like they're always <laughs> been done by someone else, and you know you, it makes for brilliant YouTube videos and, and brilliant stories and things. But the experience of a few is kind of. The most runaway thing about those games, where is Yeah, I mean, the
2: weird thing about this is in Minecraft, the advanced stuff people we were doing with Redstone is, you know, making a giant display where every pixel is a block and so there's vast kind of spectacular wonders they're creating. <laughs> and that is something I would like yeah. to be doing and I feel a bit inadequate about my tiny house. But in this, if someone makes an incredible program on the little spectrum in the corner of the, their spaceship, I still feel pretty good about my spaceship. <laughs> like, I can still yeah. fly around the galaxy. That's the cool yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm very excited about flying around the galaxy.
0: Richard asks... Do you think more games would benefit from release when done late Guild Wars 2 rather than crunch time rushes for deadlines? Yes. I think <laughs> games would benefit from being only released when they're finished. <laughs> um, I'm, not convinced under- that, I'm not convinced that Guild Wars 2 isn't going to have had a crunch period, though. I, like it, I know it's been... Five years and... Five in and fact, I don't know if they actually have set a official release date they for it yet, no.
2: which, is, which is good, but... <laughs> yeah, I think that there's... Um, I very much support the notion of developers not announcing their release date, which is the thing I've decided to do as a developer recently. Uh, you unannounced finding, I did Yeah, yeah. I, I de-announced my release date because um, I was going to provide, I was giving myself crunch time <laughs> with no particular reason. Like, I'm not paying myself a salary, so I don't actually need to do that. The reason that you know games don't get finished before they release is that the reason they have to have a release date, you know, a cut-off point at which they have to stop working on it and put it out there and start making some money, is that they're paying, you know, 250 people a salary <laughs> all the time they're making it. So it's costing them a phenomenal amount of mm-hmm. money every second they're working on it. Um, so that's, Literally that's millions the, a month. That's what people yeah. forget. Um, so that's kind of, we can't really have a system where every game could take as long as it likes mm. before it makes money because the only people who can do that are people who've already had a million, um, you know, multi-million dollar success yeah. to fund it. Uh, and you don't really want to live in that world. You want to live in a world where, you know, people who haven't done anything before can make something new and exciting and cool. Um, but yeah people shouldn't do stuff like Bethesda did with Skyrim and announce the release date a year ahead of time to the day and then stick to it regardless of technical problems and you know <laughs> last minute shit that needed fixing it's kind of remarkable that game shipped as well as it did yeah given yeah Jack I Club Given the novelty date that yeah. <laughs> so they yeah. decided to book. If you want to pick that date, pick that date and just announce it internally and work towards it. And then when you realize, oh shit, actually, we've got some fairly important technical <laughs> stuff we need to fix, it'll only take a week, it'll only take two weeks. That's still. You know, Release it on 12, 12,
1: yeah. 11. <laughs> <laughs> sit, down, sit down and have a really good think about the amount of people who will think, I wasn't going to buy Skyrim, but three 11s. <laughs> 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 mm. It's
2: it's all ones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Greg
0: Roche asks, long shot, but any news of a Dota 2 release date, or even just a wild guess?
2: <laughs> well, relatedly, Valve are not releasing really a release date to it.
0: Yeah, um, it is in open beta now, and open beta is so broad that it's actually the most played game on Steam at yeah, some points. Yeah, it, yeah. Which is, at which some is. Points. There's a certain amount. There's a certain point when it's just. It is out. (laughs) It's just just hard to buy. (laughs) It's just hard to buy. In fact, it's impossible to buy. It's going to be free, and they've given it to many, many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people now. Yeah. Um, My guess for an actual release date would be before the end of the year, probably around September, October, November kind of time. But that's just a wild guess. I have no... Yeah, I agree. James Fox asks, are you doing the podcast early because many of you will be on holiday slash mysteriously sick next week and beyond? He's referring to Diablo 3, but when he says next week, he doesn't realise that this will have gone online when Diablo 3 is probably already out. So
1: The proof of that is in us doing successfully um, another podcast in two weeks. Yes, which we will do. Which we will do. I, I will not be here though, because I'll be on holiday, so
0: damn it are you, <laughs> you were that? right <laughs> James Volk you are guess, correct just. this is exactly why we're doing a podcast now Luke Brinklow asks on a scale of 1 to 10 how much is Diablo 3 going to destroy your lives next week
2: and beyond I'm around an 8 <laughs> <laughs> like he starts with that extremist like how much is going to destroy your lives so I'm about an 8 i <laughs> about <laughs> 8 to destroyed almost maximum destroyed <laughs> um, I'm going to go for I don't know Playing Torchlight has made me realize like how big these games are, <laughs> you know how huge they feel, how much there is to them. And uh, I played the beater of Diablo 3 10 times. <laughs> uh, so it's going to destroy quite a lot of my life, yeah. But Particularly when I got Torchlight 2 to fill <laughs> in the gaps. <laughs> Specifically, though, a number out of 10? Uh, nine. Hmm. Chris?
1: Six. Okay. My life is already destroyed, so <laughs> I don't Aww.
0: really have space for Diablo. Uh, Luke also recommends that we check out a game called Endless Space
1: if any of us that's done that that's the 4X thing that's on Steam at the moment you can buy yeah I think it's on an effort. you get beta access so I haven't played it yet but it's a sort of 4X since the a solo empire style I do like endless things space game is this is it, it, it good is it out is it finished it, you, can, you can pay and you get beta access it's not finished
0: ok well sounds interesting do you think the rumoured co-op in Dead Space 3 will be any good, if true, or will it destroy the tension? Is there much tension is, in Dead
2: Space already? So this is all based on an IGN article where they cite a source without saying why this source would know or where they got the information. Mm. Um, and it, start, it sort of sounds really convincing because there's, you know, it's just enough new stuff that you think, well, maybe they would do that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, everyone adds multiplayer eventually. Um, in fact, did Dead Space Two have some kind of multiplayer? I remember hearing something about like humans versus necromorphs or something. I don't Maybe I just imagine it. that. Um, uh. Anyway, the it sort of starts out convincing, and there's, there'll be this other character following around and stuff. And you know, if there's another player, then they can play that character. But if not, then that character disappears and stuff. But then, the more you read it, the more a lot of the stuff in that rumor, m- rumor payload doesn't make <laughs> any sense at all. It's like, okay, well, there's co-op physics puzzles now, so you both have to use your telekinesis ability in conjunction to solve the puzzle but it also says it's drop in drop out co-op so what if your guy drops out <laughs> and you can't solve the puzzle right the puzzle gets simpler and on it's the stuff line. like oh yeah. now that now the plasma cutter is vertical instead of horizontal but you could already rotate it to vertical that was just like a normal feature yeah. of the thing and why would they like restrict you to one angle that doesn't make any sense and there's a, a couple of other things like that just don't really sound right. Like, oh, in telekinesis now you can rotate objects in the air. That's one of those kind of like player wish list features where they notice they can't do it and they think, Oh, I'd like to be able to do that. But in practice, I can't see anyone actually ever adding that feature because it's really fucking awkward to make a control system for that. And what puzzle possibilities to it give you? Now the slot can be down instead of across that you <laughs> put the box into. I mean, <laughs> do you,
0: if it if it did hit co op, do you think that would be good? Is that a game that you wish you had a friend in?
2: I mean co op things can be scary. Left for dead scary. But mm-hmm. and it's Sort of the same sort of scary in that it's jumpy. You know, you go in a corner and a horrible panicky. thing leaps mm. out, and, you know. Um, I think it probably would change the atmosphere a little bit. I don't really want to play it in cop just because it's, I don't know, it's like experience you want to take at your own pastry.
0: Orpheo Matter asks Will the Elder Scrolls Online lose fan support by being third person?
2: I know that it worried me. <laughs> and it's the sort of presumption in that question is that it's already got fan support by being Elder Scrolls, and, you know, everyone is expecting to like it as much as The Elder Scrolls because it will be the same mm. as The Elder Scrolls. I don't think any of those things are going to be true. <laughs> no, I think it's got fine interest from the yeah. off and I think it will get
0: criticism for being third-person only because, I don't know, because there were years and years of isometric and third-person RPGs and one of the key selling points of Elder Scrolls has always been that it's not that, that it's the game that is first-person. Mm. I remember you, Tom, once talking about your love of Elder Scrolls, I think, the first time that you discovered Morrowind and looking for the thing that must be wrong with it. Yeah. Oh, it must be third-person. Oh, it must be turn-based. Or It be must be you know, Yeah, it must, all that sort of stuff. And realizing that, no, this is a complete open world, which is first-person, and you can go yep. anywhere and do anything. And the combat is just you Real click. Real-time. Yeah, and it's like a first-person shooter type thing. And the MMO sure is sure as shit not going to be. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we can't really actually talk about it because it's embargoed at the moment. Yeah, I, I particularly can't talk about it because I've seen it for hours on end and interviewed all the lead developers. <laughs> yep.
0: Um, I don't think it being third person is the reason it's going to lose fan support. But we'll move on. <laughs> ben Campbell asks, do you think Guild Wars 2 will exceed the Old Republic's subscriber base?
1: Well, it's not. Well, the, obviously, the pedantic a- a- answer to that is... It can't have really a subscriber have base subscriber. because it doesn't have subscriptions. Mm. Um, but in terms of user base, I think it's an interesting one. Well, obviously, it's kind of related to the tour numbers that they uh, posted recently, 1.3 million. Um, Which
0: was down
2: from 1. 1.7, 1.8? 1. It was down by 23%, so okay. about 1.7, I think. Oh, that's weird, isn't it? You know, it sort of dominates our talk and news and stuff, but compared to WoW, it's pretty tiny. <laughs> I, mean, compared to, I, mean, I think compared to almost any other
1: MMO, um, in the West, at least, every, uh, compared to... It's massive. Well, yeah, but also, I mean, I, I think most of seem to be somewhere in... It's kind of like how things were before WoW, actually. Everything seems to have user numbers in hundreds of thousands to the sort of low millions, apart from WoW. Mm. Um, I, well, I mean, I just almost I have no kind of... I think that a lot has been said about what that means for the game as a whole. A lot of people interpreted that as, you know, we're doomed, and other mm. people sort of tried to um, sort of put a, uh, a positive spin on it. I think it's... I don't think there's been a comparable MMO launch for a long time to so I think it's quite difficult to say what you should expect four months, five months after release in terms of the inevitable sort of drop-off that happens when people mm. play it, finish with it, are done with it. Um, I think, will Guild Wars get bigger numbers? Yeah, because probably has. <laughs> because they've pre-orders probably alone. sold out all their pre-orders and everything, so... Mm. Um, if you know, but then I think I think maybe the implicit question about subscriber numbers is not um, how many people do you get. It's how many people stick around. It's how many people are kind of you know what's your kind of floating player count at any any given point. Mm. And I think that one's almost impossible to answer. By I would say by not having a subscription, you kind of trivialize what it means to even be a regular. player. Yeah, to I mean, yeah. like
0: part of the reason this is a story is because. Part of the pre-release hype around the Old Republic was that it was one of the most expensive games to develop of all time, and so at that point, your metric for success ties into your financials and how much money. Like there was all the speculation about like what subscriber number do they have to hit yeah. in order to break even and then turn a profit. So that's why people, because you know, Rift hits. I think it was one million in the West, and everyone's like, hey, it's, it's doing the really well, good for them, that's great. Mm. This hits 1.8 and then drops to 1.3, and everyone's like, ooh, <laughs> that's bad news for EA. Yeah. You know, it becomes a business story.
1: Yeah, I mean, they never really answered that question, and, and you know, obviously all of these games are expensive to make, MMOs are expensive to make, mm. and I think the story of the genre and the reason that the things we were talking about earlier, the really big experimental MMOs have gone away, is... As the fidelity increases and the, the what you want to do increases, the cost of making you know another galaxies or another ultra online or something is just massive, and it just it's not worth it. And you know, and to be honest, on subscription fees in general, they are a relic of that time where you what you were paying for was the constant upkeep of this game that no one really knew how mm. to run properly because it was this total thing that was going to emerge and change in lots of different directions, and you needed to pay just to keep the thing managed. Whereas now the end goal is just make. As much money as you can off something that needs needs as little maintenance as as possible. So, with regards to like, you know, Guild Wars weirdly is sort of feels like it'll need quite a lot of sort of constant curating in terms of like constantly feeding new stuff into that event system, which is what they've said they'll do. But that is exactly what's going to keep people. So if there's any, going to be any reason that I think it would have bigger numbers than Tor and maybe even bigger numbers or maybe even WoW competitive numbers or you know, LOL competitive numbers you know, on the ridiculous far end, it would be because it's not possible to finish it in the same way it's possible to finish, feel like you've finished Tor. Mm-hmm. Even if there's 2,000 hours worth of Bioware game in Tor, someone's probably going to finish that. Someone <laughs> probably already has. That's a worrying and saddening thought. <laughs> <laughs> Is it though? Isn't it
2: not a testament to the human spirit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's an amazing stat recently, you not know, that the uh, total number of hours players have spent on. I don't know, this is this sounding familiar? I think it's World of Warcraft. The no, number of player hours spent on World of Warcraft so far. Actually, it might have been Call of Duty, which would be even hmm. worse. I think it was Call of Duty. Um, is the amount of years since humans learned to walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like the, all of human history oh
0: god <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the thing is that there's probably lots of things that you could work out that statistic
1: for and it would be yeah. appalling it's probably not like, the amount of times humans spend done. walking since humans learn <laughs> older than the earth Yeah, you know, I mean well like, that's okay we're making use of my university we've got to stretch it out <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel like this is kind of a downer way to end the podcast, <laughs> yeah. but there's no more questions.
2: Games are brilliant. Games are Dabble brilliant. 3, Total 2. Yeah, Diablo
0: 3 and Torchlight 2 are really exciting, and, and they're out soon. And Infinite Portal. Infinite Portal.
2: As many portals as you can cast.
0: Okay, let's leave it at that then. Podcast.
2: <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Cheers. Bye. Bye.